You're listening to Surviving Life with Paige Crystal Wilcox, where I break down how my different aspects shape my experience of the world. I figuratively see the world differently from the average person. In this episode, however, I will focus on how I literally see the world differently because of a color vision defect, otherwise known as color blindness. Before I launch into the discovery of my color vision defect, I'd like to share an amusing story with you. When I tell people that I have a color vision defect, an experience that I have that seems to really blow people's minds is about public toilets. Now, I tell this story just to be amusing and to make light of my experience. There are a lot of different colors that I struggle to differentiate. For example, certain shades of yellow and green. There are certain shades of red and green that I cannot differentiate. Sometimes I cannot tell if something is pink, green or grey. Red is a colour that rarely stands out for me and I really struggle with colours like purple and blue with regard to public toilets. There are still many toilets and this is in workplaces as well where Your only indicator for whether a toilet stall is in use is a green or red dot. In my life, I've been able to work out a lot of context clues. So I can generally assume that a Santa hat is going to be red. A picture of a leaf is probably going to be green. Just because I can pick those two things out doesn't necessarily mean that I can actually identify the specific colours. I'm just using the clues to take my best guess at the colour that I'm looking at. What happens when you have a very small dot and you can't see the other colour is that I don't have any context to help me. If someone hasn't locked it all the way, I can see a little bit of the other colour, which means that someone has at least in part locked the toilet door. More often than not, though, it's just the one colour. I can't tell if it's red. I can't tell if it's green. And that is the only way that you can identify whether it is in use. Usually in that situation, if there's no very obviously open door, What I have to do is I just start at the first one and I knock. If I don't hear anything, I push. And most of the time when I do that, it will be empty. Every now and then, that is how I discovered that not everybody thinks to lock the toilet door. How did I discover my color vision defect? It was a coincidence actually, and I really was quite old. I was about grade six more than halfway through primary school. Prior to that, I used a lot of context clues to work out what a colour was supposed to be. Before a doctor pointed it out, I didn't actually realise what I was doing. There were just a lot of things about the world that didn't make sense to me. I knew that in a lot of ways I was different to the people around me and that was a bad thing. That was the reason you got bullied. That was the reason that the world was unsafe. I had severe frequent headaches as a child. I went with my parent to a doctor to see if we could figure out what was going on. The GP practice that I went to was an old stone-rendered building. The GP and their family lived upstairs. 
and the practice was downstairs. It was in one of the small towns that I lived in growing up. If I recall correctly, it was sort of a white and blue colour, but this whole podcast is about the fact that I don't perceive colour the way I'm supposed to. One of the first things that we did was to test my vision. I was told to look at a Snellen chart that was on the wall and I was asked to read above the red line. I was concerned about what I was being tested for because I could see two red lines. In my head, I was thinking, oh, is this not to test my eyes? Is this to see if something's wrong with my brain? Why am I being asked to read above the red line when there are two red lines? I summoned up the courage and said, which red line? This is when the GP brought out uh, the Isahara plates or isochromatic plates, which is a little book And on each page, there are lots of different colored dots. Depending on how you perceive color, you will see different shapes and numbers. I was diagnosed with color blindness. I prefer to use the term color vision defect. Color blindness is more of a label. To me, it feels quite invalidating of all the other parts that make up me. One of the first things I remember after I was told that I was colorblind was In grade six, we were drawing coloured maps of Australia. And with this new information, I realised I'm not sure which of these crayons is blue. So I'm going to hold them up to my classmate and I will ask. My classmate confirmed because of that, I coloured in the ocean purple. It didn't look purple to me. It looked like a very nice blue ocean. But I was told it was purple and the ocean is not purple. Things changed for me dramatically when I went through my gender transition. People seem to have very little understanding of colorblindness and how it affects the way you navigate the world. But one thing most people seem to know is that it occurs mostly in men. Suddenly I felt like I had to hide my colorblindness because it was Just one of those things that people were like, oh, actually, you're not really a woman because you're colorblind. I had so many people in a very short period of time pointing out different parts of me that they're like, oh, that's a male thing. Are you sure you're a woman? As I had in childhood with other things, I very quickly learned what I needed to hide to reduce the number of people who fought the validity of my gender. That was a personal safety thing. It would take another 10 years before I was able to start being more honest about that. And another five years after that, being more open about that at work. Speaking of work, there are many ways in which my color vision defect means that I have to go to extra lengths to do the same work as other people. For this podcast, because I do want to keep it quite brief, I will mention spreadsheets and charts. Often spreadsheets and charts are color-coded. This is very difficult for someone who has a color vision defect. There are ways to make this accessible. And I can tell you, it's not to come out with phrases like, oh, well, what colors can we use so that you can interpret it? Or my friend is colorblind and they'd be fine with this. Both of those are really inappropriate and are just an expression that you don't understand 
that this is not something that I can change. And I'm really putting myself out there to say, hey, this is something I can't do. We need to find a way around it. It goes for charts as well. I work very hard on establishing context to allow me to navigate a world that is set up for people who have full colour vision. That is one of the reasons why you can't just say, oh, well, what colours can we use in a spreadsheet so that we can just colour code it? I'm very good at identifying patterns and textures and spreadsheets and charts have that built into them. This software does allow for accessibility for people with colour vision defect. It's just that people with full colour vision don't need to think about that until they're faced with someone who has this issue. With charts, it's actually quite simple. Add labels to everything. I know I said I'm not much of a label person, but when it comes to charts, labels are queen. Another option is patterns. You might have a bunch of lines, a checkered pattern, crisscross, diamonds. Where there can be a little bit of conflict is that people with full colour vision have not had to think about any of these shapes and these other parts of accessibility that have been built into the software. What this does is when I'm being shown something, when something's being explained to me, when they're training me, they're trying to explain it. Coming from someone who navigates with full vision colour, expecting me to understand as someone with full colour vision. And that's just something I can't do. The only issues usually are with people who don't think that you should be in the workplace if you have a disability or that reasonable adjustments in the workplace are a perk. There's not much you can do about that without raising the ableist culture as an issue. Speaking up for yourself and trying to find appropriate support, sometimes it's actually just easier to move into a workplace that does appreciate that accessibility needs to be considered. I work for an organisation that very much values equity, diversity and inclusion. So we do have a lot of policies and processes set up to help people in a situation like me so that we can continue to work, continue to contribute. We can just find out the best way to support that. I hope you've found this episode informative and entertaining. I look forward to sharing more about my different aspects and how they shape my experience of the world. You've been listening to Surviving Life with Paige Crystal Wilcox.